Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. President Trump changed wireless business. I mean, aren't you curious? Aren't you curious how the new presidency is going to affect wireless? I'll reflect back a little on what I thought President Obama did and how he affected wireless. But first, I want to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro, TowerTrackerPro.com. They have all your closeout package needs and they can do it all in one simple app from your smartphone. It's simple. You just take it out there. It tells you what pictures to take. It walks you through step by step. And your guys can do it right in one visit. You think they can't? Well, it can be audited before they even leave the site. So if they missed anything or anything's not right, bam, TowerTrackerPro.com. Get it done. Also, Tower Safety and Instruction for all your tower training needs and drone training. TowerSafety.com. TowerSafety.com. For all your tower safety training needs. Also, I have the Wireless Deployment Handbook, which you can find on this blog, Wade for Wireless, W A D E, the number four wireless.com. Get on there and just look for the Wireless Deployment Handbook or just go to Google and type in Wireless Deployment Handbook. All right, will President Trump change a wireless business? And how will President Trump change a wireless business? Let's get this out of the way. Whether you're for Trump or against Trump, it doesn't matter. Here in the states, you win state by state, you have electoral votes, right? The electoral votes, Clinton got 228, Trump got 290, that's that, Trump won. So let's get that out of the way. Whether he did or didn't win the popular vote, he did win the electoral votes, that's the system in the U.S., so Trump will be the next president of the United States. Before you guys say, oh, I'm not going to follow him or whatever, or I am going to follow him, whatever. You know, he's going to be the next president, just like we had President Obama. The other thing I want to make clear is the president can only suggest, recommend, and push through policies that they feel very strongly about, just like President Obama could do the same. We're not bringing in King Trump, just like it wasn't King Obama. They can't just wave their scepter in the air, hit it in the ground with a big boom, and say, so I said it and so it shall be done doesn't work that way. This is a U.S. government. Let me tell you something. It's so much paper pushing here in the U.S. government, so much red tape. They have to pass bills. They write these ridiculously long bills, and everyone tries to sneak in like whatever is important to that particular senator. They try to sneak it in under whatever is important to the president. That's why Reagan liked the line item veto, because things just got out of control with these senators. And the other thing is senators have constituents, which are very important to them, that they push through those bills. That's the way it works here in the U.S. Things don't happen overnight. It takes time. They can push a lot through. And plus, as soon as the media gets hold of it, which I feel the media is going to look at everything President Trump does, things could change. Things could be modified. I'm just giving you a heads up. What I'm basing a lot of this article off of is what Trump had on his website and also what he's done in history. I have a lot of articles. And also, he put a PDF out for his first 100 days, which I have a link in this blog. And the name of this blog, it's going to be, you know, wadeforwireless.com slash will President Trump change wireless business? So that's what you want to look for on wadeforwireless.com. 
I have a lot of issues here. Bear with me. I don't know which one's important to you. If you want to just read the blog and go through your particular issue, that's fine. But first, I want to start with the tower climbing industry. I know that unions were a big supporter of Trump. That's how he swung a lot of the states that used to be Democratic because Trump it was very clear in his message with unions. You know, he wants to bring work back to the U.S. He wants to stop the offshoring that's been going on in manufacturing. Therefore, unions have been very supportive of Trump. So in the tower climbing industry, for the tower climbers, I think they would support Trump in a lot of ways, but I don't know how he's going to change a business. I think if there were a tower climbers union, he would support it. I'm sure he'll support the IBEW, the CWA, and possibly even the Iron Workers Union, which is really unusual for a Republican if you know your history. It's really unusual. So the reason I bring this up, there is no tower climbers union. If the tower climbers wanted to unionize, they're going to have to do the work on their own. It's just the way it is. And a lot of guys are trying this. A lot of guys are working to start the union. You know, there's people out there trying to start tower climber unions, trying to get it together. But until that happens, Nate is going to be the voice of the tower industry. Love it, hate it, whatever you think. Nate is the voice of the tower climbing industry. They just are the National Association of Tower Erectors. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. OSHA is getting very involved in the safety of tower climbers. And yet what I have found even in this last year is that tower climbers are suspicious of OSHA. They see OSHA as a bad guy and they should not. OSHA is their friend. So what's he going to do for the tower climbing industry? I think he's going to actually promote a lot of work and put people back to work because I think the infrastructure that he's talking about also includes wireless. I see a lot of that going through and I'll get into that later. But for you tower climbers out there, I would hope that work's going to pick up with the lower corporate taxes, with what he's going to do for the carriers. I would think that work is going to move ahead and I think he's going to listen to a lot of the issues that have been holding up wireless construction. So I really see that as a plus for the tower climbers. As far as the tower climbers union, hey, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's up to you to do the work. If you wanted a union, you would work really hard at it. It's not just going to be there for you to jump in. It takes a little bit of effort on your part. Now, the second thing I want to look at was the RF engineering industry. What do I mean by that? Anyone who's in the industry knows that a lot of this has been offshored. What Trump is trying to do is stop a lot of the offshoring jobs, the offshoring work. However, I don't see him drilling down to the RF engineering industry. I just don't. The carriers at this time are very powerful. They know that it's a cheap alternative. And a majority of them use as much offshoring as they can for engineering services. So I don't see that changing. He could put a mandate in to stop offshoring, but that would affect a lot because offshoring's done quite a bit. So for all my friends in India and the Middle East uh, that are offshoring Romania, you know, there's a lot of offshoring that happens in the U.S. The interesting thing is, you know, it isn't for everything, but with LTE, you know, everyone can do the engineering. As a matter of fact, there used to be a lot of Wi-Fi engineering I don't see much of that. People just throw up hot spots. You know, they're cheap. It would be very hard for the government to regulate something like that. And besides, Trump is into deregulation. So I don't see President Trump really affecting that that much. As far as the backhaul industry, and now what did I include in backhaul? I included fiber, microwave, anything like that. But I look at backhaul's infrastructure. And President Trump, at least what he said in his election that he has in his 100 days, first 100 days contract, is that he is going to support infrastructure growth here in the U.S. I look at fiber and wireless as infrastructure, and I bet he does too. And I don't just mean free Wi-Fi access. I mean actual high-speed internet access. That's a key part of infrastructure. Love it, hate it, like it, dislike it, doesn't matter. It's a key part 
of the infrastructure that we need to build this country and make it even better than it is. What I've seen so far is that the carriers, the fiber companies, and even the tower companies are a key part of this. You know, I look at Zayo, they're big into this. I look at Crown Castle and what they've done for fiber. It's really amazing what they're trying to do and how they're trying to change the face of wireless and change the face of internet access everywhere. So I would think that fiber is gonna be everywhere and you really have to look at fiber and even wireless backhaul as a part of the infrastructure here in the United States because everyone else is looking at it that way too. The reason I say wireless is because just now, when you look at the cable companies, when you look at Fios or whatever AT&T's cable access used to be before they bought DirecTV, they're looking at getting to the home, but they know fiber is very expensive. As much as we all love fiber for backhaul, running it to the home is not cost effective yet. The cable companies can still run their stuff. They're still a key internet access provider for homes, but wireless is catching up. So I think we're going to see a burst of fixed wireless. I know AT&T has been testing this heavily, and I know the other carriers are going to jump on board as soon as they have the spectrum. So you can actually just put a wireless modem in your home. So all you need in your home is power, or at least someday, that's what we hope. No more phone lines, no more copper, no more cable. You're just going to have a wireless modem that points out to either a cell tower or a pole or something in your neighborhood. Now, in my neighborhood, everything's underground, so I don't have any poles that I can point to. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but I can see a tower or two. So it's going to be interesting for all those companies or companies, for all those counties and municipalities that don't want towers around how they're going to do it with underground wires. You know, someone's going to have to get creative there. But for me, I can see a tower. I'm pretty sure I can point right to it. Bam. Assuming, you know, it's available in my area. But I do see that as a key part of infrastructure. And I think President Trump will look at that beyond just fiber. I think he's going to know that wireless is going to be a key part of it. And I also think he's going to release more spectrum. And I also think he's going to make that spectrum available to small companies. The way I see it with the FCC, you can get lightly licensed stuff currently for a lot of this work, right? Point-to-point microwave and so on. The equipment's getting smaller. We're starting to go point multi-point, which I don't know why these guys waited so long the FCC is waiting a long time to approve it, but we need it. It's something we have to do. It's something that's going to change wireless. We have to look at wireless backhaul as part of that infrastructure. I mean, we do in the wireless world, but I think it's about time it becomes mainstream. I think President Trump will uh, begin to see that. Hopefully someone will bring it to his attention. Now, the next subject, larger wireless carriers. And the reason I separated larger from smaller is because it's a different business model. Now, when I say larger, I'm talking about the big four, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint. I think he's going to help them because he's going to deregulate a lot. I think he's going to free them up to do a lot more. I think that net neutrality stuff is going to change. So I think for them, oh, and also the corporate taxes are going to go down. So I think they'll have more money to do more of a rollout. They could just lower the corporate taxes and keep it for the investors, which in all honesty, I could see AT&T doing that. <laughs> they, they would suck the money back. However, AT&T is not just going to get their way because Trump came out and I have the link in my blog. Trump came out and said that he is not in favor of the AT&T and Time Warner merger. Now, to be clear, Time Warner that they're taking over is a media company. It's not Time Warner Cable. They have the same name. They're not the same company. Just to be clear, they're different companies. But AT&T wants the media company, not the cable company. So AT&T wants to have more media. 
And the reason Trump's against this is because they have DirecTV. Now they'll have, they have a cell phone business and they have that. So he doesn't necessarily like corporations taking over a lot of stuff and going back to the days of the monopoly. Remember when AT&T and Bell were the only phone companies? And if you don't, I'm in my 50s. I remember that. Obviously, if you're in your 20s, you probably don't remember that. If you're in your 30s, maybe you remember the transition. But that was a big breakup. And I think he doesn't want to see it go that way again. Now, why is that so important? Because T-Mobile and Sprint appear like they want to just sell to somebody. I don't think it's going to be another carrier. AT&T tried to merge with T-Mobile. T-Mobile tried to merge with Sprint. Sprint wanted to merge with T-Mobile. All of those mergers were shot down by the government. Actually, I think AT&T had a big, good shot at taking over T-Mobile, but I think uh, the Sprint lobbyists sort of shot that down. It's my opinion. When you look at this, it's really interesting because we all feel like a merger would save the smaller ones, uh, specifically Sprint. But Sprint's turning around. It seems like whatever SoftBank and Marcelo Claré are doing seems to be turning around. So I'll give them a lot of credit for that. And T-Mobile, obviously, they jumped up into third. And I, I don't see them being real close to AT&T, but they are knocking on the doors of AT&T and Verizon. They're just not afraid of them anymore. They can sit at the same table. You know, if it were, if it were ultimate fighting, they would be in the same ring. And they'd say, bring it on, baby. Whereas Sprint, I don't know what happened to Sprint. They um, fell behind. Well, I know what happened, obviously. Uh, they just ran out of money and they're heavy in debt. <laughs> heavy, heavy debt. One thing that is going to change, though, that I want you to think about, Trump is not a fan of lobbyists. He's going to do everything he can to eliminate lobbyists. Trump is going to put term limits on for senators, representatives, for all that. Because now, you know, the guys are in there till they die. I live in Pennsylvania and I look at Arlen Specter and that guy was eventually voted out, but he was in like his late 70s. He just couldn't give up the job. He ran and he ran and he ran. He was raising money. I don't know how you can even concentrate in a job when all you're thinking about is raising money. In an interview, he said he spent three years raising money. He would spend one year governing <laughs> on the Senate. I know it wasn't black and white like that, but he just said it took a long time to raise money to fight these battles. But the reality is it shouldn't be like that. That's one thing where I think Trump is different. He did a majority of it on his own money and then donations from people like you and me, whereas Hillary took a lot of money from a lot of companies and governments and you know people like that. So you have to weigh it out. But the reason eliminating lobbyists will change things is because I think we don't realize how many lobbyists there are in a government. Let's just look at AT&T and Verizon. They have a lot of lobbyists with senators, a lot of senators and uh, people in the House, representatives. They have a lot of people like um, where AT&T and Verizon are based, the different states that they're based, where they have a large workforce. The senators and representatives are going to look at that and they're going to stick up for their constituents and do what's favorable for those companies. But also they have lobbyists in there and the lobbyists do more than just say, present their ideas to the senators and representatives. They also put pressure on the FCC, but it's not just that. You see, AT&T and Verizon give money to CTIA. They give money to the former PCIA, which is now WIA. They give money to Nate and Sprint and T-Mobile give money to CCA. Now, most of those groups, I don't know about all, but most of those groups not only have influence on the government, they're constantly petitioning the government in favor of one carrier or another, but they also have lobbyists in, that go to the government. Whether the lobbyists work for them or whether it's someone they hire, they're very savvy when it comes to government. And look at most of the people that run these organizations. A lot of them have been in government or a lot of them have 
worked in different branches of the government. Like, uh, you know, they, they could have worked for the FCC. They could have been senators. They could have been state senators. They know how government works and they know how to get things done. They know how to sit down at the table with politicians. They also influence the government. They all, and when I say the government, I'm talking senators, representatives, and specifically probably the FCC. Let's say maybe the FAA, if there's rules and regulations there. They're there trying to get things passed for their community, which is favorable to them. Now, is that good or bad? If you're in wireless, generally that's good because that promotes more work, right? I'm not saying it's all bad. But I believe President Trump's going to change all that and make decisions based more on what's good for business, not what's good for that company. So I think he's going to remove a lot of regulation. Like I said, he's going to lower a lot of corporate taxes, but he's also going to eliminate lobbyists. He's going to be in favor of term limits, which a lot of those companies, now they can't just get one or two senators in their pocket or backing them or you know what I mean. It's going to be a change for the way they do business. They're going to have to be a little more savvy. And they're going to have to do a lot more on their own. And they're also going to have to present solid arguments with the FCC, which they do now, especially uh, AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile. I see them presenting a lot of things to the FCC, you know, that's made public. Let's look at the smaller wireless carriers. Here's where I think Trump's going to make a difference because I think he's going to make it a level playing field for them. They can't afford the billions to get Spectrum like the big four can. And yes, Sprint, I know you remember the CCA but you're still a member of the big four. That doesn't mean you should get the same breaks as Carolina West, you know, a member of the CCA. I think what we have to do is look at the smaller carriers. We have to give them the spectrum that they need to be competitive, but not for billions of dollars. I think it has to be fair. T-Mobile also fights that battle because they're a member of the CCA. They think they should get a break. I think the smaller carriers should get a bigger break than the big four. And I think the big four should be separate. Okay, now let's look at the FCC because here's a touchy issue. Trump has constantly come out against the FCC on a lot of things. He dis he seems to dislike regulation, which means that Commissioner Wheeler may be at odds with the new president, the whole net neutrality thing. Would Trump bring in Republicans to run the FCC? Maybe, maybe he will. You know, Wheeler was appointed by the Democrats, if I remember right. And he's done a good job. He's been in there a long time. Is it time for a change? I don't know. Here's the way I look at it. Here's my view on it. I think what we're going to have to, I think what Trump's got, we don't have a say. <laughs> First of all, we don't have a say. I don't know if Trump would put in Republicans because the Republicans certainly didn't back him during the election. I don't think it's black and white to him. I think what he's going to do is look at the people that can do the best job in this particular position. Maybe it is Wheeler. Wheeler knows a lot about what's going on. He's well-informed. He has a good presence. You know, when he goes and gives speeches, everybody listens. I listen. I read what he says, in my opinion. And I'm not busting on Wheeler here, but anyone in that position, a lot of it's fluff. I talk to a lot of people at the FCC. I can't make a lot of stuff public because they won't approve anything. They won't back anything. And that I don't want my reputation damaged. It's very frustrating when you work for a government entity. Nobody wants to share anything. The only thing they want to share is what's been reviewed by 30 or 40 people. And when they say it's a team effort, it's really not. It's some manager's effort to make everything look good and sound like peaches and cream for the government. Am I being negative here? A little bit, because, you know, America's supposed to be a free country, but try publishing something they don't like, and you'll see how free you really are. With that said, there are some things you can get away with, or some things you can't. I tend to err on the side of caution. But for this article, let's get back to Wheeler and the FCC. Will Trump shake it up? 
Maybe. Maybe he'll oust Wheeler because he's at odds with him and he wants his own guy in there. Maybe he'll keep Wheeler in there because Wheeler knows the issues and keep his team in there. Maybe they'll just shake up the team a little bit. And I know I'm making it simple, but I got to be honest with you. It's not easy being an FCC commissioner. You know, for us looking in, we don't agree with everything they say. And you even see the commissioners, the different commissioners under Wheeler, they're at odds with each other. And the reason is because they have their own ideas, number one, because we're all individuals, right? And it's, believe it or not, it's a free country. They get to say their opinion as much as we do. These guys are hit up by lobbyists, by senators, by representatives who are constituents, who have constituents that want to get their own way. They want to get their own way with industry issues and with political issues and with safety issues and with commercial issues. They have different allegiances. They have different concerns, concerns which matter them, allegiances to a particular, let's say, senator, representative, a group out there. Uh, You hear some say, you know, they really are concerned about the safety of tower climbers. You have others say that a specific carrier isn't getting his way and that's going to hurt business down the road. There's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of alliances, but they all know the issues. They sit through these endless meetings, listen to people. And I I listen to these meetings online. I'm sure you guys have listened to some of them because I wrote about some of them. They listen through all this stuff. It is really hard for them to get in depth about a particular subject. They have to be big picture people, which is what I try to do when I look at this. I try to look at the big picture. I try to look at the big picture of what is going on. One thing you learn about when you work in a specific industry, you drill down and you worry about what you're doing, which is important. That's your job, right? You got to worry about what you're doing. And you may not like the issues. And I'm going to bring up one specific here. When I was working for Qualcomm and Qualcomm was doing the Flow TV rollout, one of the big things they were counting on for their spectrum is when the TV stations specific that that spectrum was going to be shut down for good. And they were going to make the transition from analog television signals to digital television signals. That was a big deal. The date was set. I I don't remember when it was. It was supposed to happen. Well, President Obama said, oh, there's too many people that are still using the analog TV. So he delayed it. For Qualcomm, that meant a hit of millions of dollars, (laughs) you know, tens of millions, because suddenly they built this system up they put roughly half a billion into it. And now they couldn't release it for another three to six months because the president said, oh, you know, people are still watching TV on their antennas, which I don't know. You know, I, I don't live in the Midwest. I think in the Midwest, a lot of people still use their antennas. And I guess they didn't get the digital TV transfer. And I guess they didn't sign up for the coupons and the free antennas and Quite frankly, they procrastinated and they, in my opinion, I see it as lazy because <laughs> my dad at the time, who was in his 80s, even he did it. We put up the new antenna. We got everything ready. We were on the digital signal and the digital channels were already up. The TV stations that didn't get them up, uh, the digital channels that, that didn't get it on air. I don't know what they were waiting for. I know they'll come back with an argument saying there weren't enough tower crews, there weren't enough this, there weren't enough that. They couldn't get everything delivered in time. Quite frankly, they probably just didn't plan very well. That's how I see it. Obama cost Qualcomm a lot of money by one simple decision, by delaying that date. It really affected, you know, Flow TV and all that, which we know Flow is now defunct. But I like Flow. I thought the idea was pretty cool. You know, TV on your phone that doesn't take up spectrum of the carrier. And now the carriers are all crying for spectrum. So there you go.
They need spectrum. You know why? Because everyone's looking at video. Everyone would like more, you know, live TV, I think, on their phone. But what do I know? But my point is decisions like that. Obviously, President Obama made a decision based on what he got back from the FCC, based on how many constituents like senators and representatives got back to him and said, you know, my people are still on analog TV. We have to delay this. I'm sure he just didn't make it on a whim. But to me, that was very frustrating. But I get it. I mean, I understand why he did it. Not an idiot. <laughs> People were still using TV. TV stations procrastinated and they got their way. They got whatever it was, three months, six months more. I don't even remember anymore. It doesn't matter. But that was a big deal. Let's move on. We talked about the FCC. We really don't know what's going to happen. I would imagine Trump wants his own people. That's the bottom line. I think Trump will put people in there that will do what he wants done. I don't think he wants to sit around and fight with Wheeler. So he's probably going to sit down and have a talk with Wheeler. And Wheeler's going to say, this is what I believe. It's not what you believe. Or maybe Wheeler will go, hey, just tell me what you want. Just give me the end game. But we'll have to wait and see. That's a wait and see type decision. The next thing I want to get into is a touchy issue, one that we don't think about when we think about wireless business. It's permitting and zoning for wireless. So here is a great question. How will President Trump change the wireless rules for permitting and zoning? We all know that all the groups are complaining to the FCC because this is a big slowdown. Now, before we get into this, I want to put things into perspective for you. A lot of people don't understand this issue. They don't understand what's involved in rollout. So I'm going to go over something. If the carrier wants to add an RH, which is a remote radio head, if they want to add a radio head and an antenna to the towers across the USA, here are the steps. A, they have a budget. They have the budget. They begin the project. They plan the rollout. They order the equipment from the OEM, which, and they, they start testing and so on. But at that same time, on day one, they start the permitting and zoning process by hiring local permitting and zoning companies to work with each government to get approvals to add something to the tower. Even though most governments rarely, if ever, go to the tower, they want to know exactly what's on it. And they also start working on lease modifications. When I say lease modifications, like for the tower companies, they test in the lab, they test the radio head with live traffic, they order provide logistics, they provide an RFP, they're going through the order process, they sign with the GCs for all the regional GCs, and they do something like that, or they hire their own people. They get the tower climbers reserved for each region. While all this is going on, they're making modifications to the tower if they have to, you know, they might have to beef up the tower, they have to change the lease. But all this happens relatively quick. I'm going to be honest with you. And it happens relatively quick. Now, permitting and zoning, still going on, still probably not done. Depends on the municipality and the township. So what does this mean? They have to wait after all the approvals. They have to change the schedule to where they do have approvals. Then they can do the install. They can commission. They can integrate. Based on what's going to happen. Site but a majority of the time, testing, permitting, live, and zoning. And then the customer gets two or three that's times the download or upload. And that's why we have so many complaints. The so permitting many issues, and zoning so many problems. That's why it's delayed. Going to the federal it's government. Blocked. That's why the FCC is yeah, getting hammered on. Just people want to fight wireless, wireless because they're worried about trying to make their customers happy. They think it's going to be up. And as we know now, it's on hold to load. There's so many variables. There are so many variables that cause problems. Do expansion in a lot of areas for a lot of reasons. They have to get to permitting and zoning. And trust me, I go through this all the time. They're trying to do a rollout. It causes money that affects the schedule, that affects the cost, that you lose efficiencies. And the way the municipalities look at it, they really, a lot of them look at the carrier as the enemy. Even though they probably all carry smartphones, it doesn't click for them. 
They don't understand that that phone ties to that. In fact, a majority of them, they live off that phone. They stick it right up next to their head. They have Bluetooth, whatever. And yet they, they want either, there's two things they want. One, they want money. They want to get paid for the permitting. And the carriers have no problem doing that. Two, they just want to argue with the, the big boy. And they find it's okay till they have to go to court. And trust me, T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, they have no problem taking them to court. But again, it's more money. It costs more money for both sides. Now, I will say this. You want things to look nice and you want things to be quiet. That has been a major issue that some of the uh, carriers have not listened to. I think most of the carriers get that. In fact, I know the tower companies get it, specifically Crown Castle. They learned a lot rolling out small cells and poles. They know it has to be quiet and they know it has to look nice. And that's what the municipalities want. So I'm not completely on one side or the other. I don't think wireless companies should be allowed to roll out whatever. They still have the permitting, zoning, and the inspections. And you know who gets this, at least what I've seen? New York City. New York City gets it. They're, they're very quick with their permitting and zoning. And I know it's a big city, right? In, in Manhattan. However, they know it has to look nice. And they know it has to be as quiet as it can possibly be. They get it. They also want it to be as efficient, as efficient as possible. They want as many carriers on each pole as possible, but they understand the importance of wireless coverage for safety, for coverage, just for the customers in the city and for tourists. So kudos to New York City because they get it. And there's a lot of other cities that get it too. I think Austin, they're another one that really tries to promote that. It's an issue in a lot of cities. Permitting and zoning, I think Trump is going to see that as an issue. And all I can say is all you local municipalities, get ready. I think he's going to start really pushing things through. And unless you improve your system for, and Trump's been through this, right? Because he's done construction. Don't think that wireless is the only one that has to do this. Wireless just gets frustrated because on a tower where a lot of these government entities probably hardly ever go to, except they see it as a cash cow because they get paid for the permitting for all this. They, they really don't know what's on the tower. They don't understand tower work. Some do, some don't. That's my point. But the ones that don't are just looking at the payday and I don't know why they fight it. They, they don't understand it. And it's a lot of things where you don't understand that you uh, are scared of it. That's what I see. So as long as they get their money and as long as they can make sure it looks good and it's quiet, we can come to a happy agreement and everyone can move ahead. But if you want coverage, you have to work together. I wish I could say more about this, but I have to move on. But I think Trump is really going to look at that because he knows what it's like with construction. He knows all the permitting and zoning has to go through just to put a building up. He knows what it's like to build a bridge. He knows what it's like to run roads. He's seen a lot of that through his construction business, and he knows about the delays that he has to deal. The problem is, Take those delays that he had to do in one city, multiply them times thousands, and suddenly got thousands of cities, municipalities. Pennsylvania alone has so many. California, there's so many regulations. California is one of the toughest states for wireless carriers to build out in. And that's why some of the people get frustrated out there because when they can get away with something cheap out there, they'll do it. They'll make it cheap, ugly, and loud. And that's bad, bad for everybody. You want it quiet and you want it to look nice, right? With that, I see Trump finding a way to move that ahead quickly, whether he does it through the FCC, whether he does it through government regulation, federal regulation that trickles down to the local and state governments. I don't know. I see a fight with that one. He may not tackle that his first hundred days. Next, the wireless infrastructure OEMs. And the reason I bring this up, for one, Huawei and ZTE, but mostly Huawei has tried to sell infrastructure here in the 
U.S., right? I have an article about it back from 2012 when the U.S. government banned the Chinese OEMs from doing business here. So I, I don't know if what's going on there. Maybe the government can release something someday explaining why Huawei's not allowed in the U.S. Now, I will tell you this. As someone who uh, works for an OEM, I'm very glad Huawei's not here in the States because when they first came out, they made a lot of promises. And quite frankly, they were cheap. I mean, they'd have wiped out everybody here in the States because here in the States, a lot of decisions are made on price. Yeah, they want the nice things. They want all the features and, you know, they want all the bells and whistles, but it's hard to compete with cheap. I mean, look at ubiquity and Wi-Fi. <laughs> Ask the other Wi-Fi vendors how they compete with that. It's hard to compete when you can buy something cheap and it's a throwaway item. Now, I'm not saying Huawei's like that. You know, Huawei obviously had to support it. But over the years, it's become more competitive. So if Huawei came in now, it'd be more of a struggle for them. Although I think they, they might, you know, do whatever they can to be competitive here in the U.S. and actually get to business. So what does that mean to you? For one, if you work for Huawei and ZTE and you're here in the States, Sort of sucks, right? Because you can't get any of the carrier work. But they still sell stuff here in the States. In fact, even some governments have tried Huawei equipment, but I don't think they're, when I say governments, I mean local governments, but they could get in trouble for doing that. But Huawei is very competitive price point. But I think for the, I, I all right, I got off on that track. But for the OEMs, I think Trump is probably going to help them out because what they're going to do, like I said, they're going to lower the corporate tax. He's going to deregulate and he's going to make it easier for these OEMs in the U.S. to, to, to sell equipment to the carriers because carriers are probably going to have more money in theory. You know, if you put it all together and you think lower tax, the carriers have a lot of spectrum they have to roll out and they've been waiting. And maybe that's what the carriers are waiting for. Maybe the carriers are waiting till they have the cash to do this rollout. They couldn't do it under Obama because Obama didn't do, you know, they didn't give him any tax breaks. If anything, he added more regulation. And the problem is with carriers, when you add more regulation, they have to not only have more lawyers to understand all this stuff, they have to have more technicians, more engineers to implement all the rules that are put on them. Thing, The way I see it, if you look at the big picture, it's still gonna be competitive. Here in the States, really you have Nokia, you have Ericsson and you have Samsung. It's a good thing here in the States that the money's going to get freed up. What's it mean to everyone who works in wireless? I think it's going to be a good thing. I really do because things I hope, I really hope will start booming again in wireless. Now me, I'm very optimistic. And again, this is all my opinion. All this is my opinion. I see the permitting changing. I see it coming down. But Trump has vowed to pull more jobs back here in the US. I think that's going to help a lot of local companies. I don't know how it's going to change the manufacturing because for the U.S. companies to manufacture equipment for the OEMs, it, you, you know, you ramp up for a short-term run because they only put out so many radio heads. And the other thing about wireless with the radio heads, everyone has their own, right? When 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 the OEMs have to deal with these companies, it's not like you can make. It's not like Wi-Fi where it's just flat. You make one piece of equipment for everybody. They have to tailor things to Verizon. The RF stuff has to be in Verizon's frequencies. The features have to be Verizon's features. You have to do things to connect with Verizon the way Verizon wants. They want things the Verizon way. AT&T, ditto. Same bands, same frequencies. Same. They want their features. They don't want their features to be like Verizon's features. They want their features to be their features. Now with T-Mobile and Sprint, they each have their own spectrum. In fact, Sprint has more to deal with because they have FD, LTE, which is their 1.9 and their 800. Yeah, I got it right. And then they have TD, which is their 2,500. And they only deploy so much of that, that 
uh, 2.5 gig spectrum. When I say 2,500, 2,500 megahertz. The FD is 1,900 megahertz, and it's 800 megahertz. FD is frequency division duplex for the LTE, and TD is time division duplex for the LTE. And they're different formats, and they both have to be handled differently. Currently, they're all different equipment. They will figure a way to merge us into the same radio head somehow. It's not an easy thing. It's work, right? Everyone thinks wireless is easy. It's a lot of work. When you have a smartphone and you just have to use it, that's easy. And, and the carriers, the OEMs, the engineers, everybody on that team beginning then, the IT guys, I don't want to forget them because IT is a huge part of wireless now because it's an all IP system, which IT has to maintain. All of those guys doing their job makes everyone using a smartphone appreciate it that much more. Anyway, I look at also as a lot of new work for the, the um, infrastructure. If Trump is truly honest about infrastructure, I think he'll look beyond roads and pipelines and gas and all that. I think he'll also look to wireless. He'll look to fiber. He's going to look for the uh, communications backhaul. That's going to be a big deal. And as far as mergers go, who knows? He's not. While he's deregulating a lot of stuff, he doesn't necessarily like big companies doing it all. As far as tower climber unions, hey. Trump seems to be pro-union, but it's up to you climbers to do it. So Nate is still going to be the voice of the climbers. All right, everyone. I know it's long. I had a lot to talk about, but I thank you for hanging in there. I thank you for listening. And I thank all of you that purchased my wireless deployment handbook or my tower climbing book or my scope of workbook. Thank you. I appreciate it. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya.